Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm senior editor Devendra Hardwar. Shalin Lowe is out this week, uh, but joining us is Nathan Ingram, deputy editor. Hey, Nate, how's it going? Pretty good, man. How are you this week? I'm I'm doing okay. I'm super busy. I know you're super busy. That feels yeah. like, you know, the story of our times. Uh, we joke about Techtober, but it is it's no real. It's, it's real. real. All those products you see get announced, folks, uh, we have to end up uh, reviewing them and using them. And that all takes a while. So stay tuned. We're going to be chatting about Nate's experience with the new base iPad and the iPad Pro. We talked about like the announcement last week, but now we have like the full review from Nate. So I'm really interested in diving into that. And, uh, you know, we'll see what's going on with Elon Musk and Twitter. Seems like that's (laughs) actually happening. One day. As always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcast of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. You can drop us an email at podcast at Engadget.com. We often do a live stream around uh, 10 a.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel. Uh, tune in for that. Uh, we may not be doing one next week, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how things go. Um, but yeah, typically put that in your calendar. It's a fun time. I can confirm it's a fun time having done a couple myself. Yeah, it's great. Um, so, Nate, I know you're in iPad hell right now. Um, broad impressions. iPad and new iPad Pro. Uh, I read your previews. Like, mm. I, I've read your early coverage. It seems like you're into them. Uh, it seems like you didn't have the same confusion we did with the base iPad. But what are your thoughts on these things? So, I think mm-hmm. I will address first the confusion aspect because yes. the more I've used it and started to put it into the context of the broader iPad lineup, mm-hmm. I will admit I am now a bit more confused. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you, um, you saw what we were saying because uh, yep. to, to, to kind of encapsulate it, there is still the old base iPad, which sells for 329 That's last year's model. Yep. There's this new base iPad, which is what, 450 Uh Yeah. Yep. And then there's the iPad Air at five ninety nine, and then the Pro and yada yada. And oh, the the Mini is in there too. Yep. Um, my I like that the Mini continues mm-hmm. to be its own kind of thing, standing out there on its own though. Like it's, if you want a small thing. one, yeah. yeah, lower the price, please. Like if mm-hmm. you, if you're gonna do something, give me a cheaper Mini. Um, but both Sherlyn and I were looking at this lineup and saying, what what the hell is going on? Because if you're in the market for an iPad, it's kind of unclear what to get. I'm interested in what you think of the new base iPad, Nate, because it is, hey, it's a more powerful uh, entry-level iPad that costs a ton more. Um, I'm sure it's fast, but like, do you, do you think it needs to be that expensive? Like, do you think Apple's on a good track by raising this price? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. First of all, broadly speaking, when you talk about the like confusion of the lineup, I feel like this happens every few years where mm-hmm. the lineup makes sense, they add some things, it starts to fall apart a little, and then they course correct a year or two later. So I wouldn't be surprised if in a year we're saying, okay, this makes a little more sense now. 
Uh, but to get specifically into the new iPad, yeah, it's $450, which is 120 more than the one it ostensibly replaces. Ooh. And in a vacuum, there are a lot of things that are better about it, right? Like it has a more modern design. It has a more it has a bigger screen that goes more or less edge to edge. It has USB-C finally. Uh, it has stereo speakers in landscape mode, which is nice. Oh, the camera, nice. yeah, yeah mm-hmm. the camera is on the landscape edge for the first time, which is great. Uh, it has a new so keyboard accessory. If you're, if you're holding it on its side, the camera will yep. be on top. That's what right. You so if you have it like in a keyboard dock, it'll be facing you the right way instead of off mm-hmm. to the side, which to me is like one of the reasons why I never use an iPad for video calling because it, <laughs> it just puts you off to the side. And I mean, goofy. I I do see people complaining about that, but as somebody who uses an iPad several times a day for video calls, it's mm. not great to have the camera on the portrait side, but it's not the end of the world. It's fine. It's usable. Mm. You yeah, know? center stage, the center stage thing center helps stage a lot with that, lot. where it like, kind yeah. of zooms and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. What else do they improve? Obviously, a better more storage. processor. You've got more, more storage. Uh, no, same storage yeah. as last time. Mm. 64, 256. That stayed the same. So so 450 for this, it, it cribs a lot of stuff from the iPad Air, obviously. It, it looks and feels basically identical. <laughs> but then you start to get into like the weird catches, as you always mm-hmm. do. Um, naturally the screen is not as good as the one in the iPad Air or Pro. It still has an air gap, so it's not fully laminated. Um, is that something only... you actually notice like in your usage, Nate? I used to notice, it. I used yeah. to notice it more back in the day on older iPads. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been, own, the ones that I've owned for a long time have had it laminated and I remember noticing it being better when I did that. But like, you know, going back to this one, it's not a huge deal. It's just something to be aware of. Um, and again, like it, it's easier to justify it on a three hundred and thirty dollars iPad. You say, well, yes. you know, whatever. Sure, fine. On one that's close to five hundred, a little less so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the biggest weird thing about it for me is the Apple Pencil situation. Uh, you know, this is the two thousand and fifteen first generation Apple Pencil, so it's like seven plus years old at this point. And the problem there is that. It used to charge by, it has a little lightning jack on one Mm -hmm. end and you stick it into the lightning port on your iPad and it charges directly. And that was goofy and awkward, but it worked. (laughs) But the new iPad doesn't have a lightning port. It has a USB-C port. So now there's a little adapter. You take your pencil, you put the adapter on the pencil, you plug your USB-C cable into that, and then you plug Mm -hmm. that into the iPad or a power brick. And it's like- I love progress. It's it's four It's four pieces to to do this simple act of charging. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that Apple solved this in 2018 when they made the second generation pencil with the magnetic attachment for charging and storage. It stays on the flat top edge of the iPad. And now that this iPad has a top flat edge, you could conceivably put the pencil there, but you can't. Uh, So (laughs) my, my my first big takeaway here is if you care about drawing, get the iPad Air or a Pro. Mm-hmm. It's a much better experience and it'll last you longer. And that's when, again, the pricing starts to become problematic too because the um, the new iPad is 450 the yeah. Air is 600 So for $150, you're getting a better processor with the M1, a better pencil experience, and a better screen. And to me, all those things sound worth the 150 Sure. I don't know how you that's feel not, That's that. not much. I mean, we used to spend $150 just to get a little more RAM in our machines, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So for that trade-off sure i would i would say always get the air um my thing just looking at this uh base ipad is like who who is this for you know because when it was 329 i could be like hey you want a tablet just just get that just get that ipad it'll run tons of good software it's fast it'll last for years put it in a case it's great with kids it can run a lot yeah it's fast enough um 
I could do video calls, I could do streaming apps. Uh, as it approaches $500, I'm like, wait a minute. I can't, now I can't just say, hey, the base iPad is a nice kid-friendly, easy to use or easy to yeah. you know buy tablet. Now it starts it, to seem expensive. Mm -hmm. And Apple seems to be admitting that by keeping the $330 model around, right? Sure. For now, too. It, for it, now. That feels like a concession. That feels like, okay, okay, it's here for now. But, uh, you know, next year, two years from now, who knows? Like, I'm sure they can't but, wait to raise that base price. I mean, yeah. And I feel like even if they priced it at $399, you know, it would be like, okay, it's, it's cheap enough that it makes sure. sense yeah. and is differentiated from the air enough. But it still is like somewhat of a good deal, right? Like, cause, cause, like I said at the top, I was like, well, there are a lot of improvements here that make it better than the three hundred thirty dollar one, mm -hmm. so I understand it costing more. But there's some degree, you know, when I was thinking about Apple again broadly, um, they do occasionally have good value products like the three hundred thirty dollar iPad, the iPhone SE, the uh, mm -hmm. Apple Watch SE. Like all those are pretty reasonably priced, yeah. you know, pretty capable. But Generally speaking, I think we're like a frog in the pot being slowly boiled by higher prices for mm -hmm. like anything you actually want to own. Um, mm -hmm. And that's what this feels like a little bit to me. Yeah. And the, the mini, by the way, the iPad mini is still $4.99. Uh, occasionally we see it on sale. Um, yeah. I would love to have that thing on sale. Um, have you played much with that? Like, would you recommend like, hey, that's another option within this vague price range. Is is the mini a good option for somebody who maybe just wants a machine for like ebooks and light browsing around the web? Um, you know, some, something like yeah, that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I unfortunately didn't review the new mini last year because I was reviewing the other iPad, so we passed yeah. it on to Valentina. But I think that people like the mini. People who like the mini really like it, you know. And like, I definitely kind of miss something being like that easy and light to hold in your hand. It's really nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, you're paying a little extra, but it uses the second generation Apple Pencil. The screen is laminated and has has a, the anti-reflective coating. Uh, so that one's like a little bit more of a, that one has always been a little more premium than the 331, right? It's not just a yeah, smaller yeah, yeah. cheap iPad. Like it's a yeah, nice It's more like device. a smaller Air, basically. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so I say that if you don't care about typing so much, then yeah, that's a good one. But yeah. um, actually, let's talk about typing. Let's talk sure. about this new keyboard too. Um, the old, the new, iPad, very expensive keyboards. So expensive. Oh I mean, that's, the, that's again, the highlight is that for $450, you get the base, you get the iPad, the keyboard is an extra two fifty. So we're talking 700 Man. bucks. Yeah. It's a lot. Ugh. It's a lot. And they did this with the pro keyboards too. that magic keyboard with the like magnetic cantilevered, whatever. And like, it's, it's crazy. That's what I'm talking about being boiled, right? Because mm -hmm. You know, it used to be you could get a decent iPad keyboard from Apple for like 150 or like 170, and now it's 250 or 300 or 350, and it's just like it's a lot of money. So this this iPad kit that Apple sent me was 700 dollars for the iPad and the keyboard plus another hundred for the pencil, so 800 bucks. So we're like In, into insane. like laptop territory. I mean, basically, or Surface territory, I guess, mm -hmm, too. Like, mm -hmm. maybe they're more positioning. That's kind of how I saw the Air and certainly the Pro yes. as sort of like these Surface competitors. But now they're kind yep. of even doing to the base, and that doesn't make sense. Um, there are alternative keyboards, right, from Logitech and Absolutely, other companies. Yes. So yep. that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. But the, I will say, and again, in a vacuum, this new keyboard is has a few nice things going for it um, because it's the full, the keyboard deck is the full width of the iPad, so there's room for a... Uh, function key row. So there's an escape key and volume sure. buttons and media controls. And, you know, the Apple hasn't made a keyboard with those for the iPad yeah. before. So yeah, that something is... the MacBook Pros haven't had in a, in a while uh, until well, the M1s, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, mm -hmm. So that's good. And the trackpad's actually, again, it's a little bit bigger than the one on the keyboard meant for the iPad Air and Pro because of, again, there's more space because of its design. Um, the downside is I don't love keyboard folios personally because of the mm -hmm. kickstand extending. It, it just doesn't make for a great lap experience because uh, the kickstand is what's resting on like your knees or your legs and it's just a little yeah. funky. But like it's definitely not, it doesn't not work. It's just not as comfortable as the Magic Keyboard for the Or, or as stable, I guess, too. Like, yes. that's, that's the ultimate yeah. thing. Like, I, I, I am currently reviewing the Surface Pro 9 with 5G, mm. and it's another Surface, and Microsoft is the ones that kicked off that trend of, like, just yep. put the kickstand on your lap and uh, live with it. Deal with it, folks. It's God, I, we've been, it's been 10 years, right? We've been covering how this is, like, not oh, an ideal man. way to work for 10 years. I remember <laughs> I, Microsoft, I will talk more about that suit, like, later in this episode. I remember Microsoft yeah. at, at some event you know, trying to like sell the tech crowd, like lap of network airs, you should get, you should get a yeah. surface instead. And it's like, yeah, we're all sitting here typing on our laps comfortably. Whereas with a surface, we might be like <laughs> dropping it. With the surface, you it's have one to those hold things your that I, a certain way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's one of those things that I feel like is both overblown, but worth knowing about. Cause it's not like you can't do it. I use the new iPad on my lap, but plenty. It's just not as good. Yeah, I, I don't think it's overblown if it becomes a problem like after a while. Uh, is there, uh, I haven't taken a close look at the iPad Pro folios. Are those a little more stable? Like those are a they flat are. bottom, right? Yeah, so, it's a flat bottom, okay. like a laptop. Um, mm -hmm. The reason why there's not as much room on it is because like the the screen of the iPad extends out from there and kind of like covers up some of the keyboard deck. So like, mm -hmm. I think that's why there wasn't a row of function keys previously. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we'll see what they do. Um, we'll talk more about the Pro in a minute, obviously. But yeah. But yeah. <laughs> It's definitely more stable. That I use on my lap comfortably uh, mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. I, I personally own an 11-inch iPad Pro, which I love because it's got which, the nice... Uh, which year? It's from 2020, so it's pre-M1, unfortunately. But mm -hmm. I just installed iPad OS 16 on it. It runs great. Uh, Stage Manager works on it. Uh, so, yeah, we'll talk about Stage Manager more in a bit, too. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot to go over with these, <laughs> surprisingly so. There is. So... Looking at the base iPad Air or the base iPad now, yep. who is this computer for? Like, that's the thing, because you just <laughs> talked about, hey, if you want to draw, if you want to really use the pencil, you should probably at least get the Air. You know, yep. if you're... I stand by just, that one. <laughs> yeah, if you're looking for something for your kids or maybe uh, a gift for a grandparent or something, like somebody who doesn't need to demand too much from their tablets, I feel like the, yep. the old base iPad is fine, will be fine for years. So who the heck is this one for? Yeah, it's for the people who want an air but don't want to spend as much money and so i think that it'd be one thing if they just got rid of the old ipad and like mm -hmm. this is the new one and you'd be like well like that'd be a bold move to be like screw it we're, we're staking our claim that this is worth the extra cash which again in a vacuum i think it is but it's it's awkwardly placed between those two products mm -hmm. and my hope is that apple does not solve this by making the air more expensive <laughs> my hope is that they do that in a year this ipad is at least 50 bucks cheaper Oh man, it's uh, it's tough to talk pricing with Apple because it feels like whenever we get a decently priced product, it is like a gift. It is a benevolent gift from Apple. They can take it away at any point. Uh, if the right. product doesn't do well, you know, it's it's just gone. They will not stick yep. with it because they care more about average sales price than you know, making co well, uh, consumers happy. Yeah, lost in all the talk about the uh, the iPhone Mini and them transitioning to an iPhone Plus again mm -hmm. is the fact that the Mini was hundred bucks cheaper. So like that was a pretty relatively affordable way to get the latest iphone tech without spending eight hundred dollars right i think it was 700 and now mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's 800 and 900 for the two iphone 14s so yeah. because people want bigger screens too like it's it's there's a lot that goes into it um but sure. it, okay base ipad 
Um, yep. you you like the speeds, um, or you like the, yep, the it's quite, improvements? It's quite responsive. Yeah, if you can I mean, stomach the price increase, right? Right. I think I would say that, like, if if you have the disposable cash, this iPad will get you further than the the base the the three hundred thirty dollar one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you should be aware of the quirks and sort of <laughs> what you could get for a little more money if you saved for an air. Yeah, I guess we need to start classifying like iPad users into like. The really casual folks, the people who just need to book around a tablet, maybe the folks mm-hmm. who want to be a little more serious, like the folks who want to do some typing, want to do some drawing. I feel like that's what the air is for. Um, yep. And then there's the pro for like the really, really heavy users. But I, I, I presented this question last week. Yep. I'm beginning to think that the pro is also a machine where I'm like, who, who needs an M2 chip in a tablet? Like, what are you... What are you doing in this? Like, you cannot multitask as much as you could on Mac OS. Um, I'm sure, like, you can do some with iPad OS, and Stage Manager makes that nicer. But I don't, I don't see the logic in spending the same amount of money you would on a MacBook Air or close to a MacBook Pro um, on on a freaking tablet. So, where do you stand with the new <laughs> iPad Pro? Because I, I this kind of a lot of these things get my goat. It's like me versus Chromebooks too. It's like, okay, fine, yep. cheap Chromebooks, totally fine. Sure. I get it expensive chromebooks what the hell are you doing like this is bad for consumers what do you think about the new pro yeah that is fair um you know again my top line thought is well it costs the same it's very so it's very expensive the Mm -hmm. the 11 inch starts at 800 dollars. the 13 inch or 12.9 starts at uh 1100 so right off the bat we know we're talking about very expensive devices Mm -hmm. that's without keyboards or pencils or anything uh the good news is that they didn't increase the price. So it's kind of a why not drop the M2 yeah, in yeah, yeah. Yeah. is my thought, right? We have like, the hardware, sure. Yeah. Right. And I think that for the, the iPad Pro line, that's been, you know, Apple knows there's nobody making tablets close to as powerful as this. And they're like, mm-hmm. we're just going to continue to like flex our muscle on this and just like get crazy with it. And I will admit the demos that they showed me in a briefing were pretty bonkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm no video renderer or special <laughs> effects guy, so I can't say uh-huh. To what extent, you know, this, this this is meaningful compared to like doing these things on a laptop, but it's it's very impressive what it can do uh, yeah. in terms of like automatically rendering 4K video and like doing these effects across like an entire like 10 minute film like in seconds. Like it's crazy stuff. So like, but we know the M2 is super powerful, right? Mm-hmm. The question is like, who can take advantage of this power? And, and the answer is mostly not a lot of people. Like I believe to some extent that there's a market for this out there because companies are making these apps that take advantage of it, Mm -hmm. uh, even if it's kind of limited in scope. Uh, I'd love to know the breakdown on on sales for the iPad Pro. Uh, And I'd also love to know how many people are just people who want a nice device. Mm-hmm. you know that's or part of it they, they want the most expensive device around it's like the the apple watch ultra problems like mm-hmm. i most of those consumers are not going to be diving deep into the ocean or hiking into the forest with that they just want the nicest apple watch right i believe i yeah. believe there is i believe that the apple watch ultra is meeting a need but again mm-hmm. like i want to know how many what percentage of people who buy it are going to use those features right yeah um it's an interesting question but and apple putting, apple will never tell us yeah right <laughs> but but putting all that conjecture aside uh, you know, this is really much, very much just kind of like a speed bump, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, they do, you know, most companies do this with their laptops or whatever every year. And that's what this is. Uh, the display, I mean, I will say that for an $1,100 device, I've been reviewing the 12.9 inch model. At least it feels like it's worth that much because I continue sure. to yeah. be sort of impressed by the fact they can get the power and capability of a chip like the M2 into such a small device 
and the new i mean the screen was changed when it when it was updated in 2021 to the you know xdr display with like 2000 plus local dimming zones and yeah. a million to one contrast like it's a wonderful wonderful screen super it's really bright great. great for hdr yeah. type stuff yes yeah. absolutely so you know you're getting a great experience there uh but yeah i don't know like i bought the 11 inch because i you know a couple of years ago because i specifically wanted a really nice screen they hadn't updated the ipad air yet mm-hmm. uh i wanted the, the good keyboard um and i wanted it to be portable so i went with the 11 inch versus the 13 so i'm like if i need that much screen real estate i'm just going to use a laptop for sure for um, sure by the way like how much yeah. 13 inch ipad per you re, did you review the 13 inch or the the 11 inch i'm reviewing the 13 you're reading so 13. Let me, you want to talk about prices? Let's talk. Well, the, first, let's talk about weight, yeah. too, because I feel like that's okay. part of the practicality you're talking about. You went for the 11 inch because you wanted, you know, a light machine that you could slap a keyboard on that's probably yep. lighter than a MacBook Air, I assume, like yes. all told. The yep. 13 inch iPad Pro plus a keyboard, how much does yeah. that weigh? Doesn't that I'd weigh say, more yeah, than think, the current Air? I'd say so, yeah. I think it's close to. So the iPad itself is a, is a pound and a half. Yeah. And then the keyboard is not light because it's very. Um, it's really solidly built and it's got mm-hmm. these magnets and you know it's like again it, it exudes quality but uh at the expense of weight so yeah i'd say a 13 inch ipad um plus the keyboard is yeah. coming in close to macbook pro territory actually probably less. yeah yeah we, we looked this up last uh last time like we saw whatever, the, the yeah. pro come up so yeah, i think even last year the pro 13 plus uh plus a keyboard was heavier than the m1 macbook air so again yeah. th- that's that is a question. So let's talk about price. Like you're saying, you get the 1100 uh, Pro. How much is the keyboard? Keyboard what, is what 350. <laughs> How much and RAM does that machine have? 16 gig. Well, so it depends okay. on. So if, this is interesting, actually, that you mm-hmm. asked. So for a long time, Apple didn't even say, yes. right? You could figure yeah. it out with benchmarks. Yeah. But now they're saying that if you buy, buy it with less than a terabyte of storage, it has eight gigabytes. But if you spring for the one terabyte or... Two terabyte no models, so much space. Uh, uh-huh. Then it has sixteen gigs. So the model that I've been reviewing <laughs> is a two thousand dollar iPad with a terabyte of storage and sixteen gigabytes of RAM and an M two chip. Stop the madness! Stop the and madness! To me, then know. you add in another four hundred and seventy or eighty dollars for the accessories, and it's like mm-hmm. this is the most bonkers iPad ever. I feel weird yep. carrying it around, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but it's super nice. It's so fast. The screen sure. is so nice. Uh, but yeah, again, it comes down to like I want to know more about the people who use this thing for the capabilities that Apple shows off. Because again, there must be some market for it. Otherwise they wouldn't still be selling it in, in, at this price point. For sure. And the developers wouldn't be making these apps either, right? Are there so, a lot of apps coming so in? So the, the, the two that they highlighted in the briefing was DaVinci Resolve and Octane mm-hmm. X, both having iPad releases. Um, which like, again, this isn't my, my, my area of expertise, but... It sounds like those are like both super powerful apps uh, and like widely used in the sort of like special effects slash film mm-hmm. milieu. So I, I feel like know. people doing work with that too would be like, okay, I, I want an M2 machine that could do a little bit of work. I feel like you're still better off with the MacBook Air, price wise. Yeah. Yep. Um, I don't know. Or if you're spend, you know, if, if mm-hmm. you're thinking about two grand, then you can get the the M1 Pro. Uh, 14 right. inch model with a great screen mm-hmm. um yeah it, it's it's very interesting um and you know again going back to like the pricing and the mm-hmm. the weird divisions apple makes in its lineup right um 
they still sell that MacBook Pro 13 with an M2 and the friggin' touch bar. Uh, you know, if you want the 14 inch, it's it starts at 1999. So like they're effectively pricing normal consumers out of the MacBook Pro at this point because the 13 is not recommended over the air, mm-hmm. and the 14 starts at two grand. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, that was pretty much my review of the M2 mm-hmm. MacBook Pro. Is, uh, I called it Pro in name only because, yep. yeah, it's, it's it's faster, I guess, except the the Air has a bigger screen now and a right. like more modern design and just feels... Every time I hold this new Air, I'm like, oh, this feels nice. This feels yeah. like... This feels like the future of computing right here. I haven't checked one out, but I mm-hmm. want to get my hands on one. Yeah, next time you go to Best Buy, I think you could just like stroll by and, and see like how it feels. But it's yeah. it's uh it's it's insane. It's impressive. Yeah. So okay, so but you do like the speed increases in the iPad Pro. For somebody looking for a Pro tablet, I feel like it's either this or a Surface Pro, right? Yeah, Which definitely. They're kind of comparable price wise and mm-hmm. sort of power wise. I don't that that's a whole thing. I'll be talking more about that. Um, right. But yeah, any other thoughts on the iPad Pro at this point? Yeah. So like I said, it, it's it's a spec update year, right? Mm-hmm. M1 to M2. Basically, everything else is the same. They added the Apple Pencil Hover, which is kind of neat. So if you're within 12 millimeters of the screen, uh, UI, inter- UI elements will interact with the pencil. So, mm-hmm. you know, a really easy to explain one is that if you hover over like app icons in the dock, the one you're over will grow in size so that's just like a little trick but if you're in the notes app and using a watercolor brush you know it'll show you a preview of the color before it goes down on the the page Mm -hmm. and if you switch to a different color it'll show you a preview of how they'll mix together for example that's kind of cool and like i could see that style of thing being useful uh another one is in pixelmator photo uh, if you go to the, you know, if you load up an image and there's uh, the filters at the bottom you can you can run the pencil along them and it'll it'll show you a preview with that filter right. applied instantly. Right. Obviously the thing is so fast that it just happens instantly. Uh, so that'll be kind of fun. I'll be curious to see how developers take advantage of that. Um, you know, it has Wi-Fi 6E, which is great if you've got 6E set up. It's got 5G naturally. Uh, I was on the train this morning and I was pulling in some pretty crazy speeds using that with, um, I was getting ultra wide band and that was mm-hmm. that was pretty nice. Although which, uh, not, which network? The one that I'm testing is on Verizon. Okay. That's, that's um, cool. That sounds like yeah. a nice, easy experience. Better than I'm having with uh, my Surface Pro 9 5G here, which uh, so so clunky, so clunky. My uh, review. Are you gonna talk about that next week? Um, you know what? We we could talk about a bit that about that now, just a bit, uh, just because that is kind of a comparable machine, right? It is another machine with an ARM-based processor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has Microsoft's new custom SQ3 chip. Has built-in 5G. It is it is supposed to be another mobile powerhouse or certainly yep. their competitor to the iPad pro. And I'm just looking at this thing like, Oh man, you just can't, you can run some like <laughs> x86 and x64 apps, older mm-hmm. windows apps, uh, which uh, that was an update they added to windows 11 recently. So when the right. surface pro X launched that arm chip couldn't run older, like certain older apps, it could run 32 bit, but not 64 bit. It all gets was that two years ago. That was two years ago. Okay. Last year, they added uh, full x64 support uh, emulation. The thing is, Microsoft's emulation stinks, and their chips just aren't as good uh, when it comes to doing stuff like the Rosetta 2 emulation on the M1 and M2 Mac. Mm-hmm. So what you're left with is a computer that costs more than the Surface Pro 9 with the Intel chip, which is certainly faster because it's a nice 12th gen chip. Um, it costs $300 more. It is wow. slower. Um, the 5G stuff, yeah, less compatible. The 5G stuff, uh, I, I tried like an eSIM, you know, uh, 
subscription that I could yep. buy from within Windows. It was fine, but it was super clunky to like subscribe to it. You could, mm -hmm. I could plug in my Verizon SIM and that was fine, but you know, it's not, not as seamless as the whole process yeah. seems to be on an iPad. And uh, I think I'm just tired of surfaces and all the problems around surfaces. And Microsoft just keeps giving us more problems and pretending it's the future. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just grumpy at this point, Nate. I'd love I mean, to see you play with this thing. Yeah, I, I'm curious too. Uh, and I think that's one thing that Apple simultaneously gets flagged for, but also it's probably the right mm -hmm. decision is like, making the iPad its own thing. They don't have to worry about legacy compatibility right, with right. older apps. It's just like all these developers are making apps for it. They run really well. Mm. Uh, you know, at this point, it's got enough software out there that you can do what yeah. you want with it. And they um, solve the app compatibility problem on their computers, like in right. serious ways. Like, hey, yeah, okay, we know this is a problem, but we're going to move to these new chips, and the emulation is faster than uh, a lot of Intel chips we saw up until right. that off, point. Right, off the yeah. bat, too. Like, the, when they when they released, that's one thing I have to give Apple credit for. They did it right with the mm -hmm. transition to the M1, and they did it right 15 years ago when they went from, uh, you know, G3, G4, yep. G5 to the Intel chips. Yep. They had that emulation, like, out of the box, ready to go, and it... it I hate it was to good. use this phrase, but it just worked. <laughs> it just worked. I was working in IT at the time, and yeah. I was I was afraid of like, oh right. man, what is this going to mean for a lot of people? And it just everything just kind of worked. The older, really old Mac drivers just stopped dot, like stopped being supported. Yeah. It was like Mac OS nine stuff. People were still yeah. using, but by that point, sure, move on. That was quite um, old at that point. People yeah. may not remember this, but the MacBook Pro came about because of that Intel transition. Like the MacBook yep. Pro didn't exist before Apple moved over to Intel. It so, was the PowerBook G4. Yes. And everybody was like, when will there be a G5 PowerBook? Because the G5, they couldn't mm -hmm. get it cool enough or small enough to run on a laptop, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about where things could go for Apple. Uh, there was a rumor floating around yesterday about uh, Apple working on a 16-inch iPad for next year. Uh, this is from the information. We've also seen yep. some rumors. I remember seeing like 14 and 15 inch rumors as well. Yep. Um, from your perspective, uh, do you think this could happen and why would it happen? Because we're just talking <laughs> about like how impractical a 13 inch iPad pro kind of is too. Um, what do you, what do you think it, Nate? I have a hard time with this one <laughs> because again, it's a little bit outside of my my lane in terms of what I use a computer for. Mm -hmm. uh, when I think about a giant iPad like that, I think a little bit about say the Surface Studio, mm -hmm. which has a very like, it has a design built for like getting the screen down, doing like major drafting on it. And I could see a theoretical iPad Pro with that size, mm -hmm. uh, you know, being used for that. Yeah. Uh, but again, like how much is it going to cost? How niche? I mean, I just feel like the audience for that is going to be incredibly niche because a 13-inch iPad is bordering on too big to just like, use as yes. a tablet in your hands you like can. sit on the couch. You, you don't yeah. want to just hold it up. No. Like, if uh, I want to just hold the tablet, that's when I go for the 11. Yeah. When, when I talk I wanna, about like, the Surface Pros, it's the same thing. It's a 13-inch yeah. tablet. I'm not going to be lounging with this thing. Yeah. Well, it's the same way that I completely think that convertibles where you can flip the screen around are like pointless because I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't want to use a three pound tablet with a 13 inch screen. I want to use a one pound iPad. You want to use um, a one pound iPad. I mean, the, the yeah. point there is more like you're laying in bed and you're like, just, just give me a screen, give me all right. screen. And I kind of, <laughs> I've always liked convertibles for that. Although mm, okay. there's certainly other ways like the surface studio laptop, which kind of mm. came and went and Microsoft again, kind of botched that launch by giving the quad core <laughs> chip last year. Freaking. I don't know why they keep doing this. Um, but stuff like that, the HP Folio, which was the leather laptop that oh, yep. you know could kind of, you could pull it forward over the keyboard, like that sort of stuff. 
those are big machines. But when I'm, especially when I'm like traveling and stuff and you're sitting in the hotel room, like a TV is too far away. I want, <laughs> yep. I want like a nice big screen in front of me or something. I just kind of want to yep. lounge. Um, I find that to be good, but yeah. An iPad. 13 is the outs the outside mm-hmm. as big as you can get with that in my opinion mm-hmm. so like i don't know i i'm sure they've tried it i'm sure they've mm-hmm. tested it as a i just doesn't i don't see it as a consumer product it just <laughs> i just don't quite buy it I, I mean that's the way i felt about the ipad pro in general for years and i still Fair. kind of feel that way so yeah i i don't know people if apple produces something people will buy it people are buying those one thousand dollar wheels for the yep. <laughs> for the old <laughs> mac pro i think um so that's a thing um yeah i'd imagine oh, they'd be say, working uh, go ahead mm-hmm. i was just gonna say one thing before we move off of the pro uh important part of that like we said a stage manager and uh there's been a lot of talk about stage manager on the ipad um i'm probably going to to botch his name but federico vitici at mac stories uh he does excellent reviews of ipad os and ios and he writes you know very lengthy extensive stuff he's he's a big ipad he loves it he uses it for all his work i get the sense he is so mad about stage manager because uh, UI inconsistency crashes and that sort of thing. It sounds like he just had a really bad time of it. And I believe him because he tests this stuff really extensively. I will say the good news for me is that on this new device with the final version, the non-beta software, I haven't run into crashes. There's still some weird inconsistencies around like what's the best way to launch an app and is the strip on the left showing up and that sort of thing, right? So it's not perfect. You can tell it's new. It's having growing pains. But from a stability standpoint, I think that it's much better than it was when the software was in beta. And, you know, I spent a few times just working solely on the iPad Pro for like an entire day doing all of my work with it. And I found some ways with Stage Manager to make a better multitasking setup than I used to be able to do on an iPad. So I'd say if you are going to get this iPad or have one that supports Stage Manager, take a few days to like mess around with it. See if you can find a way to set it up in a way that is pleasing for you. It's uh, it's different. I can yep. imagine somebody actually using their iPad as their full-time machine. Um, I imagine they had to make some comp- compromises to kind of live like that. So, you know, I, I could see that being a problem. Um, have you used Stage Manager on Mac on your Mac? I have not yet. Mm-hmm. I have not had a chance to update to Ventura, and I didn't try the beta this mm-hmm. year. So um, I'll probably do that like this weekend or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I think that like one of the main things that uh, I was reading about it being problematic was that window resizing and moving on the iPad isn't it, it, it tries to help you. So like it'll move the windows a little bit and like snap to certain sizes. And it just centers everything. So like whereas like on yeah. a Mac, you can still like I think I'm assuming you still have the full pixel control to make them the size you want and the place you want, right? You do, although center uh, stage manager tends to like, it still takes more control on a Mac. But what mm-hmm. I find interesting is I've been running it on uh, on my Air and I did the preview. Mm-hmm. It is really great when you want to do focused work. Like that yeah. is the main thing. Like if I just want to sit and stare at Evernote or something and just like work on that stuff and then maybe I need to hop over to Slack to like answer some messages. Um, it is better than creating a whole other desktop environment, which you can do. You can create a, like a virtual space. I always found moving back and forth between those things kind of annoying and kind of bad. Um, where otherwise on a Mac, like you have to minimize everything and have one window open. It just felt, it felt like my workflow was never quite, uh, I could never actually hit a good flow on Macs. Where Stage yep. Manager kind of makes that happen 
you know, but That's you have to you have to get used to it. Yeah, I've used spaces or you know virtual desks on the Mac for a long time, and I'll often throw an app into full screen when I want to focus on it. But uh, I'll be curious to try this new method, and that might be why Stage Manager on the iPad worked for me because I've I've been using the concept of like make us make a space, put the two or three apps that you want in there that kind of relate to each other. Like I'll have you know, uh, a, a document for drafting text and then a browser window with all the tabs relating to the subject next to it. And then I'll have another space where I've got like messages in Slack, for example, and that sort of thing. So I just use that mindset when I was doing uh, stage manager. And then if there's something I really wanted to focus in on, I would just run that one app, you know, on its own or run it full screen or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, you know what, it's a new thing. I feel like Mac users in general hate change. So it is always <laughs> interesting to see like how Apple kind of balances that stuff out anything else you want to mention about the the new ipad snake because i feel like we're, we're gonna have to wrap up we have some news to talk about yeah. um but the ipads yeah. it it does seem like a very standard upgrade on the pro side on the yeah. base side a very it, it's a big upgrade but it's a confusing yeah. one price wise um kind of leaves me in a place where i don't know what to recommend to anybody at this point depends on what you air, need, right just recommend the air or if it's like or if it's a grandma situation then recommend the 331 yeah, yeah. I was going to say also with the Pro, the reason maybe not to upgrade now unless you use it for production and really want that extra speed is I feel like they're going to do a more comprehensive update soon instead of just a chip swap. Uh, this basic hardware design has been in play for four years now. It'll be, you know, five plus before they launch a new one. So I don't know what they're going to do. The, the design is still great. Like I said, the, it feels great. It's small. It's light. It's got a wonderful screen. But... Uh, you know, for example, the new iPad has the landscape-oriented camera, which is nice. The iPad Pro does not, presumably because they didn't move anything around inside. Yeah, they just yeah. swapped the chip. Yeah. So I think at some point you're going to see a more robust redesign uh, that'll include things like a better camera placement and mm-hmm. you know possibly some other tricks that I can't begin. To I can't yet. again. Like it's so thin. It is so thin. They've already packed so much into it. I don't know yep. what else they could do. They took yep. away our headphone jacks, so yep. it's like. I don't. At this point, you're taking away features to to add thinness. Um, yep. I guess we will see. But you know what, folks? Let us know what you think about these new iPads and what you're looking forward to with uh, whatever is coming next. Email us at podcast at engadget.com. Let us know if you believe a 16-inch iPad is on the way. <laughs> or a foldable or something. Ooh, now we're talking. Let's move on to some other news. And I feel like the big thing that's just happening as we are wrapping up this episode is it does look like Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter is actually going to happen tomorrow, uh, October 28th. So probably the yep. day you're hearing this. Uh, this has been a, a long and very confusing journey because it started out as a real offer, kind of a joke offer, and then Musk trying to renege. And now, uh, basically, I think he was basically forced by the court to be like, hey, you got to do this or you got to pay all sorts of fees or who knows, Twitter could possibly sue him, right? So it seems like he's just moving forward with it. Uh, There is some news around that. Uh, He has said dumb things like saying he wanted to maybe lay off 75% of the staff to save money and stuff. Employees called that reckless at the time. Earlier this week, he was just like, yeah, the, the, no, no, that, that, that's not happening. Also, that would be a very dumb thing to do, right? To buy a company and then kill most of its staff unless you want that company to die. Um, yesterday, he had a bit of a PR stunt where he brought a sink into the office. And uh, that that's what people are talking about. And uh, just, just kind of stalked the office and I think frightened the people who were actually working there. Today, he issued a letter to Twitter advertisers, which is... 
does does not feel like a thing he actually wrote, but it is interesting to hear some of his reasoning, maybe like the thing he dictated to an intern while he was on the toilet. Um, <laughs> one, one thing is he says the reason I acquired Twitter is because it is important to the future of civilization to have a common digital town square where a wide range of beliefs can be debated in a healthy manner without resorting to violence. There's currently the great danger. There's currently great danger that social media will splinter in far into far right wing and far left wing echo chambers that generate more hate and divide our society. Um, I'm just going to stop reading this thing right now. Uh, It it is certainly a position, but certainly I I think like he's trying to cast himself as this noble person trying to save social media when he is King Troll, like the richest man on earth uh, who is free to troll around wherever, whatever. Nate, what are you thinking about all this? So my first thing I want to mention is that the Mm -hmm. entire time Devinger was speaking, I was just shaking my head Mm -hmm. because that's how I feel about this whole thing. Um, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous that we had to go through this. You're right in that his initial offer did not seem genuine, but then yeah. he was kind of stuck. He was stuck. And had to, right. And yeah. you know, I don't I don't know that like the courts had I don't think it had progressed to a point where he was going to be forced to act, mm-hmm. but I'm guessing he got the sense that it wasn't going to be worth it to fight it anymore yeah. because of stuff that might get revealed in discovery and you know, like you said, like there would be like a breakup fee and like all this stuff. So he just said, "Well, screw it. I guess we're just going to go ahead." Uh, I find a little bit of satisfaction in the fact that he is being made to go forward with this mm-hmm. at the the original proposed value because Twitter's lost a lot of value since this all came up, and so he's not getting that great of a deal. Um, in regards to the letter, I was gonna, I said to someone that seems like one of the more honest things that I've seen him say about this. And yeah. if he had said this at the beginning, I would maybe be a little less skeptical of him but like you mentioned he is king troll uh you know why why do you go out there and say you might fire 75 percent of the workforce only a few days that are like just kidding i wasn't really going to do that like yeah. no one knows if anything this guy says is legit like I'm, there's no way to take him at his word i'm just done thinking about him at all too like he has also been around proposing solutions to the uh to russia's war in ukraine and also like yeah. palling around with like russian officials on twitter too like it, it is it's gross. Very weird and gross and uh, not not a fan of Elon Musk anymore, as you could tell from listening to the show, uh, I don't know, for the past few years, folks. Yeah. Um, but my other thing is that uh, this feels like a serious loss. Like, it does feel like, for me, Twitter has always kind of been my favorite social network. I've made a lot of friends yep. there. Um, as a media person, it has been a great place to, to chat with other colleagues and meet new people. Uh, that's how, like, when I first started podcasting in 2008, like, Twitter was the way I was able to reach out to people I didn't know and be like, hey, do you want a guest on this movie podcast? And it worked. Like, we got a lot of folks at that point. Um, and I don't know about the idea of a digital town square, but it does seem like I always thought of Twitter as sort of like uh, the the feet of code in the matrix, you know, like you, <laughs> you kind of sit back and you just watch yeah. it flow and yeah. it's like, you could see what's happening in the world, certainly in a very small pocket of the world, but you can kind yep. of see what's happening in a lot of places. And I always appreciated that maybe because I just, I, I was kind of raised on the internet. Like I, I, I became addicted to it at a very young age and was like, yeah, this is going to be a part of my life. Twitter was the best expression of that. I don't know what I'm going to do if I think like if this goes through and uh, if we start to see like crazy things happening because Musk uh, doesn't believe in doing a lot of things like good moderation, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that you summed up what can be good about Twitter very mm-hmm. well there, very well, um, and what could be lost if it goes south. Um, you know, as you mentioned, it is a relatively small uh, pocket, right? So there's going to be the bias of the, you know, there's a, there's a, a bias because there's lots of people in the media on it. Uh, there's, you know, I think it's probably 
a lot of affluent people mm -hmm. use it. Mm -hmm. um, but it also has been really good at like getting messages out for like, you know, underrepresented communities too. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know what it looks like under Musk. And part of me feels like, well, is it really going to be that bad at first? Is it going to be the kind of thing where like nothing really changes at first and then like slowly you start to see his influence or is it the kind of thing where within a month or two it's going to be noticeably worse? And I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. What, like, I, cause I feel like it, it's, it's, it's still a big enough ship that to totally change direction is going to take some time. And I also don't know if Musk is going to want that necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when he talks about digital town square though, I can't help but roll my eyes because is there a world town square? Like the world is too big the to have something called a town square at this point. I feel like that and was the internet the is Twitter. so big yeah. that you can't have an internet town square. Like mm -hmm. that doesn't, it just, the analogy doesn't track. To so me, I'm not that sure was, what that really means. That's always been the magic of Twitter. Like I, you could call it whatever you want, but certainly, yeah, there has never been a place on the planet to like unite everybody. I've always thought of Twitter as sort of like a great big cocktail party, you know, mm -hmm. and it is, for years, for over a decade, it has been the most fun cocktail party of the internet, you know, where you just hang out and chat with people and you get... I will say yeah. that, mm -hmm. I will say that's true if you're, if you're not a woman. Yes, for sure. <laughs> right? Well, not, also, not to, cocktail parties I mean, are great for women, too. No, I was going to yeah. say, uh, well, <laughs> yeah. but like, and, and you know this as, as a non-white person, I think mm -hmm. that everything you're seeing on twitter sounds great if you're a white guy mm -hmm. uh if you're if you're a person of color or a woman or any it's other, rough it's yeah. rough right it, it, and even at its best of times when things were good it was rough and it's only gotten worse in the last five years it's gotten worse uh i think the audience like has kind of pushed them to be more serious about like trying to protect people True. and giving you more controls over the audience yes uh, that's over, finally happening yeah that's finally happening because people are speaking up but i also think of other pockets of the internet right now which are big social spaces and i think of places like reddit you know where mm -hmm. I, I do occasionally visit Reddit. I do like some of the links that are shared there, but the community at Reddit has become this weird, curdled, like toxic uh, thing. You know, it yep. used to be really bad and I feel like it's gotten better. But even when I go there and I try to see things, uh, even when people write about like my podcast or something, mm -hmm. um, it always feels like a very weird perspective. So I don't, I don't like being there. It's not a place I like hanging out. Twitter is a place I just liked to hang out for all of its faults. And yeah. uh, it, it won't be after this. Certainly, I will, I will not be subscribing to Twitter Blue anymore. That's something <laughs> I did do because I, yep. I like some of those features. And hmm. if Elon Musk is in charge, like, why do I need no. to pay him? You don't need no, to pay him for anything. And the Reddit thing is interesting, too, because mm -hmm. I feel like even in communities where, like, there's a, a community for the game, The Last of Us, which you know I like very mm -hmm. much. And when I was reviewing The Last of Us Part 1 for the PS5 a few months ago, uh, the embargo was such that we could talk about that we were doing right, this right. and the, you know, the review is coming out in two weeks or whatever. And I was, so I went on the Reddit and said, Hey, I'm reviewing the last of us part. Oh, one. No. What do you want to, yeah. Uh, what do you want to know? Yeah. And, and I was like, I will, I'll take all these, you know, uh -huh. take your questions into consideration when I'm writing the review. And a lot of people were like, you no, know, there's a lot of like good questions and mm -hmm. friendly discussion and whatnot. And then there's people who'd be like, why the hell are you doing this? You just want karma points. Uh, you can't even talk about it yet anyway. So who cares? And I'm like, I mean, the, the the level of insult just seemed to be so disproportionate to what I was doing. I was like, why do people get this I upset know. about People get yeah. upset about everything. I mean, even on Twitter, uh, Garden Lady was was the main character for a while. And that, that was a whole thing of somebody just saying like, hey, I like getting up and having coffee with my husband in the morning. And right. everybody freaked out. So that is, that is a whole internet problem of people just not. Definitely. 
<laughs> I think centering themselves, you know, having, in, in... having the appropriate context for a situation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It's very weird. So we, we don't know what's going to happen, folks. I am just it feels momentous, right? A lot can change tomorrow. And honestly, if Elon Musk does start doing mass layoffs and, you know, changing major features, the, the entire platform could be changed like very easily. If he I brings... mean, look at how fast mm -hmm. Tumblr kind of like went out of fashion, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it just became less cool. Um, but also like if he lets Trump come back on, if he allows like the worst elements of Twitter that we've spent a long time trying to like get off the platform, if he just allows yep. that for quote unquote, you know, open conversation between the both walls. sides, it's uh, I'm out. I'm, I'm out. I will quiet quit Twitter, basically. I don't know. Same. Um, uh, maybe occasional post for work stuff, but yeah. I, I just can't use it. Hey, listeners, like I don't I don't know if this is at all interesting to you, but I feel like as a person who has been on the Internet for a very long time, I remember my first AOL chat rooms that oh, I, yeah. I like hung out and talked about video games and anime with people. I spent a lot of time in like anime chat rooms, uh, be, like just on the Internet. Those were CGI chat rooms. I remember doing ICQ chat rooms with people and uh, college was all AIM. It was just all the AIM noise. Across oh, man. I loved it. Yeah, loved it. Like that's how we all communicated. Um Twitter, I think for the past, since 2008, for me at least, has been the way I communicated on the internet. So it's going to be really sad to see things change and potentially like go downhill. I, I yeah, don't know. I was going to say one last point I want to make about mm -hmm. that, the possible changes. I know a lot of people who, obviously you said you've used it a lot for your podcast mm -hmm. and, and for your career. I know a lot of people who are freelancers and so forth who have like really used Twitter as yeah. like such an important networking resource, Absolutely. a promotion platform, mm -hmm. who are like, actively concerned about their livelihood mm -hmm. like not just like the fun and the connection but like am i going to be as effective at doing my job without this for sure and, like that's an unfortunate unfortunate thought i mean for to be a freelancer you have to try to get in touch with editors you may not know them you may not have their email addresses like it's really hard to promote yourself um it's hard to also unless you're doing tiktok dances or following the latest like <laughs> trend it's hard to get noticed on the internet and twitter yeah. always felt like a, a thing that w it was a good platform to at least you know to talk about yourself, promote yourself, promote your work, share your yep. work. Uh, it was more shareable and open than Facebook ever was. I I still hate getting a Facebook link for anything because I don't, am I going to click on this? Is it going to ask me Hell to log no. in? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, anyway, Twitter, Twitter looks like it's going to be sold to Elon Musk. We will be following this. I'm sure Chris I'm Abel. I'm sure there'll be more to say about this in a week. Probably. Absolutely. I'm sure our social media reporter, Chris Abel, will also have a lot to say. So we will definitely bring her on at some point to chat about all this. Let's move on to what we've been working on. I mentioned the Surface Pro 9 with 5G. I, I don't really have much to add. That that review is going <laughs> up soon. Uh, likely today. It should be on Engadget by the time you hear this podcast. I'm giving it the lowest score I've ever given a Surface because oh. I'm calling it a beautiful lie. Because that's what oh, it damn. feels like. And I talked to several people at Microsoft. I'm like, how the hell can you give one product, an Intel chip and an ARM chip, and expect people to understand the differences? And there's a lot of like just hand shrugging, a lot of just like, we'll see what happens. Oh, and damn. it feels outright irresponsible to me as somebody who has supported people in IT, somebody who's like still has to deal with a lot of computer help. We have people in my family. Um Sounds like a disaster in the making. I'm when, looking yeah. forward to that review. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it, it I just kind of channeled a lot of hatred at that point, and for all those problems, surfaces still have. Uh, so yeah, my overall tip there: probably don't buy the Surface Pro Nine with five G. <laughs> the Intel model will be a lot more interesting for sure. Uh, Nate, what else are you working on? 
Yeah, so obviously I'm wrapping up our reviews on these two iPads. Uh, they should be, one of them should be live on Friday as this podcast goes out, and the other one should follow within a couple days. Um, and then in fun, exciting news, I'm also reviewing God of War Ragnarok. Oh, boy. Which, mm-hmm. yeah. So that review comes out, I believe, the first week of November. Mm-hmm. Um, I might actually end up pushing it a little bit so I have more time to finish playing it because all I've been doing is playing with iPads. <laughs> Uh, but my first impressions are that it's it's pretty pretty dope so far, and I'm looking forward to digging mm-hmm. into it. You do love your like uh, may like I guess high profile AAA PlayStation games, right? Like that that I is do, your yeah. Thing. Horizon, yeah. God of War, Last of Us, mm-hmm. uh, you know, third third person action adventure games and good <laughs> stories is my jam. I did like the 2018 reboot, uh, even yep. if it felt like. We we got to put some Dark Souls in our God of War. We gotta we gotta mash this up somehow, and uh, hmm. it felt what's, like what what's the Dark Souls influence? I mean the combat, straight up. Like hmm. I remember you were addicted to the combat. Like you were you were killing all the Valkyries, right? And those yeah. like super yes. tough, impossible battles. Like that's all the way the combat was mapped to the shoulder buttons and everything. That, yeah. A lot of that is Dark Souls influence. That's so interesting because I haven't played Dark Souls or you know Elden. Wait, what? Yeah, no, never. What played are you them. talking about, Nate? And I don't usually go in for like crazy difficulty, but like mm-hmm. getting the Valkyries was like a really addictive experience. You should though, uh, you, you should play some Elden Ring. I, I, think, I think it honestly yeah. took me eight hours to beat the final Valkyrie. I don't know. Again, That's, it just got to a point where I yeah. put so much time and yeah. effort into it that I was like, I've got to see this through. You've got it. You got to finish it. I'm the sort of person where I'm like, oh, this is tough. Uh, I will try a couple of times. And I'm like, oh, I have more. I have other things to do in my life. If it's not yeah, critical usually, to the game, you know. Usually that's what I do, but for some reason this one captivated me. Okay. Okay. The well, combat was that fun, I guess. It was that fun. Is it? Uh, I know it's a lot of the same combat. Uh, I, it, uh, you could only talk about the first five hours, I believe, up to this. Yeah, point. and I haven't, I haven't even gotten that far, so I haven't got to the point where I'm going to see like where things really like break okay. away from the previous game. So okay. that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm interested. They they are talking about this being the end of the story, which makes me think. Yeah they're just going to kill Kratos. Like right. this is going to be the end of Kratos and his, uh, his son will take over and who knows what's going to happen. With right. This I mean, maybe we'll see, maybe mm-hmm. we'll see future games starring his son. Mm-hmm. perhaps. And in 10 years, the ride, the, the resurrection of Kratos yep. or something. Right. Um, yep. cool. Sounds fun. Looking forward to seeing more of that. Did you do a preview of God of War, Nate? No, I haven't, I haven't published anything about it yet. Okay. Uh, I do know some of those went up, so yeah, keep they an did, eye out yeah. for Nate's review of God of War. I'm sure it's going to be a fun time. Let's move on to our pop culture picks. I just wanted to quickly shout out a movie I talked about a couple of weeks ago, maybe even months ago, is Barbarian, one of the best horror movies that came out this year. Um, was a very big like hit in theaters, a kind of a surprise hit because nobody expected it to be very good. Um, it is now on HBO Max. So if you want to check out Barbarian, the movie about a woman who goes to an Airbnb and discovers things are a little weird, um, <laughs> go check it out. I am a little disappointed. It's only... Um, for some reason on HBO it's only like 1080p HD so if you want to this movie is good I think you should like blind buy it too if you don't have HBO Mm. Max like on iTunes it is 4k HDR and I do think the the Dolby Vision helps quite a bit because there's a lot of dark scenes in this movie so anyway either way you see it uh, I think it'll be good I think Barbarian is one of the best movies of the year so check it out it's on HBO Max now Nate what's up with you how horror is it it's very horror like it's very much like it's it's kind of funny at times because it's actually by one of the members of the whitest kids you know and i think mm-hmm. there was something really 
interesting about comedy directors going into horror like they, they kind of have weird. similar vibes sort of like uh, horror directors going into superhero movies too like that mm. kind of s- good vibes that they can kind of carry over into different genres it is um you know it's genuinely scary at times it's kind of gross at times it's not like torture porn horror yep. it is uh there's a monster type of thing and a lot of good tension a lot of good twists it's very good i'm not gonna say anything else barbarian right. check it out it's on hbo max what are you watching nate I've been watching Bad Sisters on Apple TV. Oh, I've been too. Yeah, great. Nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's 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 an Irish show mm-hmm. um, that is both extremely funny and very dark. So you could you probably classify it as a dark comedy, right? It is. But yeah. the the dark part of it is actually quite upsetting. Mm-hmm. I'll have to say, like, it's about um, a family of five sisters, broadly speaking, the Bad Sisters, mm-hmm. and one of them <laughs> is just going through a really like terrible time with her with her husband, <laughs> and. I don't think it's much of a spoiler to say that. Um, yeah. And it's just seeing how he treats her is just it's straight up upsetting. That, that actor, uh, Clay's, I don't know how to pronounce the name properly, but Clay's Bang um, is one of the greatest, like biggest assholes I've ever seen on television. Just like yes. a bad dude. You want everything bad to happen to him. But it's kind of uh, fascinating to see like how how he like, yeah. Uh, I don't know. And the, the fact that they're able to mix him. that Mm-hmm. The fact that they're able to mix a character like that with some funny stuff is yes. impressive to me. Yep. And uh, I'm really look. I haven't finished the season yet. I'm looking forward to wrapping up. I think I have like three episodes left. So I'm looking forward yep. to seeing what happens. I'd also recommend um, this to everybody. Uh, it's also stars Sharon Horgan. And Sharon Horgan, everything yeah. she's in, I'm just like, just watch it because. Yeah, she's great, right? She's great and everything. So Catastrophe, she was in Bojack Horseman. Yep. Catastrophe was the Amazon show she did with Rob Delaney, I believe. And also great, devastating show, yeah. um, but really like funny. Yeah. All right, folks, that's it for the show this week. Uh, Hopefully, Sherlyn's going to feel better. Hoping to see her back next week. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own managing editor, Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman, but I'll be editing this episode, so you can just send any any complaints straight to me. You can find me online at at Devendra on Twitter. If you need Nate, where can we find you? Yes, I am on Twitter at, at Nate Ingram, at least for now for now oh yeah i don't know well you uh, know maybe mastodon said, maybe does. something uh claim all your mastodon usernames i think that it, you do I have to want to make tumblr happen again i want the old web to happen again so maybe we'll dedicate a whole episode to that at some point but i do That'd miss the fun. old web i miss it so much you can email Absolutely. us at podcast at engadget.com leave us a review on itunes and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts including spotify thanks folks we're out